Boys in the mystery of the haunted house. Just cut apple. Let's do it. Oh, one? Oh, God. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't realize we were on the air already. Kind of threw me off. Well, today's show, you're the first, you're listening to Lifeline Edited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today we're going to have a guest that's been on a couple times, special skill sets that she has. This is a woman that the CIA, the FBI, other police organizations call on quite frequently to analyze handwriting. Her name is Michelle Dresbold. Everyone remembers back last fall, we had her on a couple times, and we discussed different types of personalities that are that you can read when reading someone's handwriting. And today we're going to go into some people right now that are in the news. And I did send a few signatures over to her this morning uh, to get read. And, you know, we'll play around with that and see how that turns out. Michelle, welcome to the show. Oh, hi. Nice to be back. I appreciate you being here. Let me start off first. Uh, have you made progress? Has there been progress made in the possible television show that would be about uh, what you do, what you know, basically your life and so forth. Um, well, the television show—it's it, right now. It's on. It starts again oh. in September. Okay. But that, that's the filming of it. So I don't know when it will be on the air. But um, right now, it took a hiatus until September, and hopefully, we'll be starting everything then. Okay, that's great. Then I know you'll keep me up to date on it through some mutual friends that we have. And, again, love to have you back on to break it down for us come the fall. Oh, I, I would love to be back. So great. <laughs> now, here is something. This has been in the news again. It's been 22 years in the making. And you got to give – my father's sitting here with me, so i got to ask him to remind me. It was Fox that did this or FX that did the O.J. thing? FX. FX. Yeah, it was FX. FX. Did you get a chance to watch it at all, Michelle? I did. I watched. Um, I didn't plan on watching the series. I'm like, oh, I, I lived through it. But um, a friend recommended it, and I started watching it, and I got hooked on it. So I did watch the whole ten series. Now that's interesting because I remember when it was going down. I remember watching it a lot. I was working out of the house at the time, which is something I still do. Uh, but believe it or not, within the first two episodes of this series, I went on Amazon and I got a copy of the book that the movie was, that the miniseries was based on. Right. And uh, obviously the book could go into far greater detail than most series or, or movies themselves can go into. So I was drawn back to it as well. And right. were you involved at all in anything to do with that back in 94, 95, 96? Um, oh, I, I wasn't involved in any way other than um, I, I did look at, at that time, I did look at his handwriting. I did look at this suicide note that he wrote, but I wasn't personally involved in the case in any way. Okay, now, I got to read the uh, suicide note itself in the book. Okay. Now, my first question would be, and we've discussed what you do, and, and I'm fascinated by it, but my first question would be, when he wrote the suicide note, and that's what it appeared to be, my right. first question is, was it authentic? Was he really heading in that direction to take his own life, or was that a play for sympathy? Maybe both. Okay, so you see it is both. It's both. I mean... 
when when people really mean, I mean, this is horrible, but when they really mean to kill themselves, they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, though he may have been on that brink, and sometimes somebody's bound to do it, and nothing you can do to, can can stop them. And other people are, please help me, help me. So, you now he may have been somewhere in the middle of that. Okay, now. His writing, uh, his grammar, his punctuation, not that I'm the greatest, but it definitely showed a lack of education in that area. Do right. you use that to read into, uh, you know, doing your analysis work? I mean, does that, is that play into it big time, or is that just a little side note? Well, example, um, I look at a lot of notes where somebody writes down their timeline of where they were during a crime, and I try to see where they're lying. The very first thing you have to know is that person's history, their background. For example, if somebody never used punctuation, doesn't know how to spell, you you don't if something's misspelled, you don't go, aha, they're lying where it's misspelled. If somebody has a high education and then in one sentence something is misspelled or all of a sudden their sentence structure changes, you look at that sentence. But it's very important to know a person's educational background. Yeah, because I wonder, because just because someone might be lacking in the written sense, that's not an indicator of their intellect overall, correct? It may not be. Um, I mean, some people never really learn the grammar skills. They never really learn how to write. They never learn how to spell. Um, so somebody might be intelligent and or might not be, and um, but that but because they write poorly, it could could it probably means a they don't read a lot. Hmm. And B, they have had a poor education. Now, it's funny you mention that because I read constantly. Okay. But I do not have great spelling skills. My writing skills overall have gotten better over the years because I have to write for business. But it's definitely something I've always thought that I lack. And I always wondered if someone just read cold something, a first draft that I put together, would they look at me as someone who's less intelligent, who might not be along those lines of, we'll say, an intellect or at least, you know, someone who can handle themselves in the world. And that's what I wondered about O.J., because he came across one way to the public. And then that letter kind of opened up a window to his world. I thought it did. Well, I think a lot of people are... Uh, and I don't know what the word is, but it, uh, they are disc- they're surprised when somebody looks good. When you, someone can look good, someone can put words in somebody's mouth, example, if you're in a TV commercial or you're, yeah. they can, you're actually reading somebody else's lines, or if you're really handsome or beautiful, people kind of give you leeway. They expect you to be... Um, nicer, smarter. So we can be very fooled by a person's appearance. I have to agree with you because if you look at O.J. going back that time frame, he was a world-class athlete at some point, and it wasn't that long back right. uh, where people couldn't remember. Right. Uh, good-looking man, uh, even though his doctors tried to sell him as basically an uh, arthritic mess, uh, he did not come across that way. He was in very good shape for a man that might have been at 20 or 25. 
right. or 30 compared to his age in his mid-40s. Right. He also came across as almost a superhero to some people because of the Hertz commercials and so forth. Right. When I do, um, I do a lot of profiling, and I also write a lot, and I'm actually writing a book. But Great. find that people who look good, they look good, um, whether they're a man or a woman, um, people forgive them more. We can always know, like a Charles Manson, you go, ah, but a Ted Bundy, uh, O.J. Stimson, uh, the Mayandas brothers, you see people and you expect them to behave because of their looks. And those are what maybe interests people the most because it's one thing if you go, oh, well, what do you know, that guy, he had dirt on his face and he always looked crazy. And But what about the guy who looks nice and they, they really have, as you said, a second side to them? I really, that's why I find the handwriting so interesting because you can look one way, but your handwriting shows really who you are. Well, they, and those are the most fascinating cases. And to me, again, I'm thinking back, and it's funny you mentioned a person's attractiveness. Now they've done studies that for a man, for every inch he's over uh, six feet tall up to about six six, there's an extra $5,000 a year or whatever it may be in their pay. Mm-hmm. It's the stature they command. I think from my perspective, when I see an attractive person, and they're being brought up on charges or there's something happening that's negative, I think one of my first reactions is, why would they want to throw away everything they have? They have the attractiveness. They might have other things that, because they're attractive or very athletic, that was brought to them because of that. And I go, well, wait a second. Why would they want to throw it away? I often think that, too. I, I suppose it's, it's this. We all have problems. Life is not an easy you know, battle. Um, but many of our problems are on the outside. We're not making enough money. Um, we wish we had a better house. We wish we were better looking, whatever. But, but you battle that. Those things you can fight. If you have your battles are in the, on the inside, something that happened to you when you were three years old or six, four years old, and you all your life you battle it, and you always, no matter how good the external life appears, the in, internal life is a battle. Those, those things, no matter how much you give the person externally, they're never happy, and there's always that. Well, I always wonder, why do you take drugs when you're the best athlete in the world? Why do you... Why? But it's because the internals are not happy, and and that's what makes a person an alcoholic, a drug addict, all things that you wouldn't expect people who have everything, at least on the outside, to do. You're right, Michelle, and and that's tremendous insight. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I want to stay a little bit longer with the OJ topic. i got a few directions I want to go into, and I definitely want to get your opinion on it. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today my guest is a highly coveted handwriting analysis person. The FBI uses her. All kinds of law enforcement agencies use her. Michelle Dresbold is her name. We'll be back in a few moments. Well, 
Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Avery. Today, my guest is Michelle Dresbold. She is a handwriting analysis, and she also wrote a book. Now, it's been back a few years, but I suggest you get a copy. You can find it on Amazon.com. It is called Sex, Lies, and Handwriting, and it takes samples of handwriting uh, from different time periods, different people throughout history. Michelle explains what you're looking at, how to learn to read what a person's handwriting says. It was tremendous. I'll be passing on to my father uh, later today when I get down to my book collection, and you can take a look at it. But, um, Michelle, getting back to O.J., now, I don't know if you realize this, if you know about this, but this was in the book. Um, his father was homosexual. I, I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know until I read the book. I was, like, taken back by that. And I was wondering, through looking at his handwriting, or anyone's handwriting for that matter, would you be able to see maybe a fear of that, a homophobic fear, especially someone like O.J. who came across so virile? You know what I mean? Right. Well, you, I mean, not just because a parent is homosexual doesn't mean that it's, part of your nature or maybe your parents are completely straight and you're homosexual, everything will show up in your handwriting. For example, if you look at the letter I, meaning me, myself, and I, not the little I like in the small letter I, but Mm -hmm. personal pronoun I, you can tell about the relationship somebody had with their parents. Mm -hmm. For example, um, in a cursive I, which a lot of people don't do anymore, but the top part represents your relationship with your mother or mother figure. And the bottom part, um, the, the horizontal part at the bottom, is the, is how you relate it to your father. And, and with a printed eye, you can also tell relationships between parents. So when I see somebody's eye, I may not know, oh, yes, O.J.'s father was homosexual, but I might know, oh, my goodness, he had a really bad relationship with his father or his mother had a bad relationship with the father just from the letter I, meaning, you know, the personal pronoun I, which is actually a word, you can tell a huge amount about a person and their family history. Yeah, that's and that's the point. And I said to you uh, back in our first two interviews that you have so much power because you get to read people's handwriting and a lot of times they're not there to explain themselves you might be checking for employment references or doing what you do for law enforcement i always thought geez i might not have done anything but they're looking at the fact that i'm i might have the potential Mm -hmm. to do something let me i'm gonna ask you straight up do you think that's fair um, I think in this world when you are dealing with so many people and your decisions on the people you deal with can affect your whole life, I think you need to use every tool you can. And, and like you said, just because somebody has pent-up anger, does that mean they're going to explode? Not necessarily, but... Are you willing to gamble on that? That's a person's choice, whether you're marrying somebody, dating somebody, or hiring somebody. Um, I think when there's so many things in this world that you just don't know, you can take a gamble on it, but um, that's a person's choice, and I think it's the more information they have, um, the more choice. And let's say you're the person who comes and you do have 
potential to explode or have inner anger, if you can recognize it and talk about it and resolve it, you personally will have a better chance um, to have a better life. So I, I would say in this world we should use all the tools we can and then use them the best way um, to, to have the best life we can. So I, I guess um, it is fair. <laughs> that's that's fine, and I have to agree with you in the sense that I think it's a great tool uh, as an add-on for someone or even a couple that might be in therapy. Right. Because you can get some very quick insight into who you are. It probably eliminates a lot of BS if the therapist can go right there, you know? A lot of therapists and psychiatrists actually give me handwriting of clients that they're having issues with. And... You're right. It, it cuts through, I call, six months of therapy. Let's just get to it. This is your problem. This is your problem. Let's. It's right here. Talk about it or admit it. And so most people, when they, most people tell you their problems, they will, I call it the onion effect, they will give you the easiest layer. It takes an awful long time to peel through those layers to really get to the crux of the issue or the crux of somebody's problems or what they're really dealing with. Most people do really keep that hidden. Going back to O.J. for a second now. Now, if anyone gets a chance to read the letter that he wrote uh, before he went on the run, the infamous uh, chase that went about 40 miles per hour, Right. Oh, and also I was going to say, I do have O.J. Simpson's signature on my Facebook page. Yes. If anybody out there is willing, you know, a, you know, free to look at it, it's um, just my, you know, Michelle Dressfold. And I, and I do have his signature. And sometimes from somebody's signature, you can't tell everything. But from O.J.'s signature, you can tell an awful lot about his inner demons. Did you see a narcissist in that, in his, in his autograph, in his handwriting? Well, I don't, it's not really a narcissist. Um, the very first thing you'll notice, and, and this is for, I'll, I'll explain it. Your O and A are called your communication letters, and the way someone makes an O or A shows how they communicate. The clearer your O and A is, the clearer you communicate the, you know, what you say, what's going on. A lot of people have extra loops or little things on their A, and the more gook, I call it, in your A, the less you communicate um, as openly. And O.J. Simpson happens to have an, um, an O, and there's a, a line that goes right through the top of it. Mm-hmm. And that we call fork tongue strokes. joke. It shows up over and over and over again in somebody who is a liar or a compulsive liar. Hmm. So when you look at O's and A's, you want to make sure that the O and A is as clear as possible. And we, some people have loops, and a lot of times we kind of lie in general, like, oh, yeah, you look good in that dress. Or some, you know, some people, that's okay. But when you have a line that's right through your O or A, it is a sign of a, a compulsive liar. So is he a narcissist? Is he a liar? I mean, narcissist is a huge term, so I kind of like to break it down into what makes that person a narcissist. Hmm. Did you see someone who had the the capabilities of doing such a horrific crime? Yes. Wow. Um, He has two other things in his handwriting 
that you always want to look for. In the S, it looks almost like a, a sharp instrument. And at the very end of Simpson, there is a, he ends with like, it looks like a check mark or a, a knife. I call it a, you can actually see it ending with a, a, a check or a little what we call um, angled knife stroke. These are called weapon stroke letters. And when you tense up your body, when you're very tense, you make a lot of angles. You can't make curves. Somebody who's very tense, angry, um, aggressive will have these extra angles in their handwriting, which he had. Mm. And um, so, again, do you know he'll use a knife? No. But you do know he has this extra aggression in him. And you never want to see what I call weapon stroke. But it, they, they look just like weapons. And they're, they're a sign of danger. Now, O.J. appears to be a man that was able to live with what happened. Um, again, let's keep in mind he was found not guilty. But mm-hmm. I think the evidence is overwhelming. And I think it's beyond debatable of exactly what happened there. Can you yeah, well, he was found not guilty yep. in the criminal trial, though he was found guilty in the civil trial. Which is still bizarre to me how our law system works, but that, that's fine, too. But I, I guess, can you see in his handwriting someone who is able to basically deny within themselves what they've done to such an extent? Well, I am going to go back to the liar. When you're a liar, you lie to others, but you also lie to yourself. That so, makes sense. you know, that's part of being a liar and part of being a good liar. I would say the thing that has O.J. Simpson going forward is his hearing goes uphill, which means positive thought. And usually those people are very successful. I mean, in most successful people's handwriting, their handwriting goes, if they, their hand, when they write, tends to go uphill. And his does, at least in his signature. I don't know, and the suicide note could be completely different. I haven't looked at that for a while. But that, that going uphill, that energy got him ahead, got him going where he wants. Um, it maybe kept him, after all this, still believing that he's going to be okay. So what works, like, you always want to see uphill handwriting, however. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uphill handwriting in somebody who has some violent traits gives them that extra energy to perform their traits. So what could be good in one person's handwriting may actually turn out to be negative in another. I don't know if I answered the question. but No, no, you, you're, you're, you're filling in a lot of gaps that I have. Uh, maybe one more question, maybe two here on this. Was he capable of truly loving his wife? You know, um, I mean, was he really capable of doing that, or was she just a possession to him? Um, love is a kind of uh, different word to many different people. Okay. Um, and what one person thinks of love, another person doesn't. I, I think, I mean, true love isn't what he what what somebody else might think of in his heart it was true love maybe um where it's a passion it's is that is that love in the caring about somebody not necessarily but he probably did have that excitement and passion for her well um 
kind of amazing on that one. Uh, I pretty much how I've read in OJ, and I think a lot of people have. Uh, that is that is tremendous. I can't. I, I just keep saying that because I want to go back a little bit to your background so people understand. You come from a, um, an artist background. That's your that's your passion. You love doing paintings and yeah. different things. And you said that's the base from which you were able to draw from to learn this skill of analyzing people's handwriting or, you know, sentences and so forth, that skill of being an artist. Right. I, I'm very visual, and I understand, like, how you express yourself through your visual arts, through your paintings, through your art, through your writing. Through, I mean, it's a passion, and it's visual. I, when I was, um, I studied, I'm not a Secret Service agent, um, but I did a study with them, and I studied with what I call, I was the smallest person. First, I was one of the only females, but that was with, like, what I would call bigger military-type men. And we would all learn, and, and they go, I'd say, look at this A. Can you see it? Whatever it was. And they're like, huh? And I think you can be trained in technical things, but to really see things and see in deeper layers, I think it's the passion of an artist. I have to agree with you. I think because you're able to look, as you said before, you look at a painting, and you're able to look deeper into the um, the brush strokes than the average person could, or even someone who has uh, a love of the arts. Right. I don't even know if it's just the brush strokes, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like what kind of person you can't always tell, but what type of person created this? What what did they put in from their soul into that art? Got a couple warning signs. Michelle, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back. And, again, i got some – always have a lot of questions for you. Okay, great. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today my guest is Michelle Dresbel. She is a handwriting analyst, and we're going to check back in a few moments. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Michelle Dresbold. She is a handwriting analyst. And we already we just discussed OJ, um, kind of delved into Michelle's background. My, my next question, Michelle, and you kind of answered this a little bit with OJ, but what signs should a layperson, if a layperson can do this, should look for? In okay, someone's writing, definite, I mean, yeah, please. There are definite signs. Um, and I talk about them all in my book, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting, mm-hmm. but I will go over some of what I think are some of the easiest signs to look for for a layperson. One thing is we call it your ticking eye dots. Um, and when somebody dots the eye or makes a period at the end of the sentence or the period under an exclamation point, if that dot starts to become thicker and thicker and thicker, that person is is becoming more and more agitated, more and more um, obsessive. So you look, that's an easy thing to look for. Does someone just dot their eye real simple or however they dot it? Or do they grind that dot into the page? That's something to look for, and that's kind of easy. And and also you can see if it's progressing. Someone's eye dots are getting heavier and heavier. They're getting more and more angry and more agitated. Um, another thing to look for are, as I said, all those sharp angles. Is it too many sharp angles? 
person's too aggressive. Um, one thing you might want to look for, not to want to see, is something called, I call it the devil's fork. You don't see it too often. But it actually looks like a pitchfork, and it's in handwriting. And in every case I've seen it, it's always a bad sign. And in every case, the person is obsessed with the devil, and they always, if they do commit a crime, they've always said the same thing. I didn't do it, but maybe there's some devil who did it. Um, let's see of another one. Um, I always look for, you don't want those slashes in your A's or I's. You don't want O's that are filled in. Like, and, like you write the word, uh, any word, bloody, for example, and the O's get dark and muddy looking, very, very bad sign. Um, there are things that aren't dangerous, but you might want to look for. Like, example, if someone's handwriting starts to go way, way downhill, they're going through a depression, so you may want to um, help them. Um, if somebody signs in for work and they always use, usually write their name clearly, but all of a sudden they're taking their name and making it into a big X, they're also, that's a sign of suicide, so you want to be aware of that. Um, so there are all different types of things on all different levels. I mean, not everybody's dangerous, and, and, but there are different people you love. Are things going on? Example, if somebody starts to write and their writing gets teeny, weeny, weeny, they're becoming reclusive and they're going into their own mind and their own world. So... There's a vast array. I mean, if you're a teacher, for example, it's nothing dangerous, but you look for children who keep reversing their letters. Those have, people have learning disabilities. Hmm. You, so there's, there's danger things you can look for and other things that you can look for to actually get somebody help when they need it. Can the positives that you would read in someone's handwriting or... or letter sampling, whether they're writing a letter or what have you. Um, Do the positives outweigh the negatives? Um, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Can a person have more positives to be read into their writing samples that, would out, you know, that outweigh what might be the negatives? Well, yes. In fact, I'm going to tell you something that one of the writers who was writing for the television show that I'm hopefully going to be doing said to me, oh, give, can I have the handwriting of somebody who has, is perfect and has no bad traits? And I said, <laughs> there is nobody perfect. So we are complex creatures. And, I mean, nobody is 100% a perfect Pollyanna goody two-shoes, even those people aren't perfect. Um, hopefully your good outweighs your bad. I, I don't expect anybody and every single one of us out there has something that's not perfect about us that makes us human. Um, so, yes, hopefully the good outweighs the bad. And, um, yes, for most of us, let's hope that That's that, what I'm hoping there. I mean, it, it, this is interesting now to me. Is your right. handwriting born innate to you, therefore your personality is already set, and you can learn that when a child starts to learn how to print or how to write cursive? I mean, is this something that's already innate and they work synergistically together, one's personality developing and the handwriting being the window into it? 
It's a combination. Um, and let's not talk children because children are learning. I, I, I give, you know, they have different motor control skills. So you don't really want to be looking at a six or seven or even eight year old and going, aha, oh, look, her handwriting goes downhill. That's a motor control skill. But once you become a teenager or, and or an adult, your handwriting, is, you, like your personality, you're fairly set. However, we can all change. Um, we have traits in us we may or may not like. And by working on your handwriting, you can work on aspects of your personality. So, yeah, I, my, I'm never going to be, you know, somebody who's completely different than I am. But, for example, when I wrote, I used to make this thing. It's called a pugilistic P. It means the point before the letter P goes up real high before the rounded point. And it means someone who likes to argue. And and I kind of always like to kind of have a nice debate, but it wasn't working in my life. And I worked on changing my handwriting so that I could hopefully be a more understanding person who listened more and um, didn't always have to make everything into a fun debate because they found that really didn't work in life. So you can change your handwriting. You're not 100% set in stone. Going a different direction now, we have the uh, election coming up in November. Yes. We've got four very interesting and I would say diverse personalities that are right now battling their way through the political minefield. Mm-hmm. On a quick hit here, before we, before we delve into it maybe a little deeper, Okay. Of the four, Trump, Clinton, Cruz, and Sanders. Well, I forgot about Kasich, but we'll add him in there, too. Add him in. There yeah. you go. Of those five, just based on what you would see through going through their handwriting, which one would make the best president? Well, I'm not necessarily going to answer that exactly that way because... <laughs> Oh, I may have my own personal feelings on it. Okay. Um, I, I, I'll tell you some just interesting tidbits about each of them. How does that sound? That'll um, work well for us. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start with John Kasich. Um, I, ha- I like him. I happen to know him. Um, I used to do uh, the Fox TV show. It was called Heartland with John Kasich. And when I saw his handwriting, it really shocked me because it had all these X's in it. And I wondered, why does he have all these X's? It just didn't seem like him. And X's can mean the thought of death. And it turns out, I didn't know this about him, that when I, that both his parents died in a car accident by a drunk um, driver. Right. So it was in his handwriting, and that was just something personally that I found interesting about him. Um, Donald Trump, <laughs> his handwriting is just a bunch of angles. If you take your hand and just make angles, that's what his signature looks like. Angles, when you have when you make curves, you think of a woman, soft, gentle. Angles are, you know, let's do this. You know, someone. So when you have angles, the person does not like to compromise. Is competitive, aggressive. I mean, it can, ideally we want a combination of angles and curves. His is all angles. Um, and I wrote about him in my book ten when I wrote my book years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought he'd be running for president, but I did write about him as an example of somebody who doesn't have that softness um, in him. Um, Ted Ted Cruz, 
I know that he puts, like, the Ted, the T of Ted looks like a numeral seven. Yes. means that he's really good at numbers and math. If you're hiring somebody to do your math, he'd be great. He also ends, ends his last letter with a straight downward stroke, and that means, um, hey, when I say it, it's the way it is. So, it, it, it again, is just straight and down and doesn't have that curve. Um Oh, Bernie Sanders, uh, let me think what I can remember about his because I'm not looking at them. Mm-hmm. Um, what did he have? He had some interesting things. Oh, I'll tell you one thing about his handwriting, not his signature, but his letter I. Um, it showed that he had, his parents were a little bit distant, and there were issues he dealt with with his parents, that his mother wasn't there that much for him, and that his father was distant from him. And um, his mother died fairly young. Both his parents, I, I read, were Holocaust survivors, and that his father was a working man, and he never, he couldn't relate. He had a hard time actually um, emotionally relating to his father. So that's just something I found interesting about him. And Hillary Clinton, something I find interesting about her, she does something called print writing. Actually, Obama does the same thing. It's print writing. And those are people who combine printing and cursive. And um, those people, they, they, they kind of work a lot on intuition. Um, and that's sort of more the modern way of writing nowadays, though. But... Um, she also has that downward stroke that says, I'm going to get ahead. So it's it's interesting, though, they're all different. And their handwritings are all very, very different. They all do have things in their handwriting that go, come on, this, has, this is pushing me ahead. I will give you one thing. I'm going to make a bet on something. Go ahead. Um, I have studied the handwriting of every uh, political election in the last I don't know, X amount of years. Mm-hmm. And I found that the person who prints, if there's a person who not prints, and I'm not just talking about the signature, there's a person who prints and a person who curses, the person who curses always wins. Why do you think that would be? Is there an exact reason for that? I have my per- a reason for that. I mean, that, if you go through all the last elections, mm-hmm. it's just the, it, it, it's the way it is. A person who prints, and this is not necessarily their signature, um, you think of more men print, um, but printing emotionally, you're not as connected. So when somebody prints emotionally, they have a harder time actually connecting to their audience. Hmm. This is my own personal theory. Mm-hmm. Cursive, um, you know, whether you like their pol- politics or not, emotionally draws you in. Uh, most of our politicians of the past had extreme cursive handwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just been studying that, and so that's going to be my bet. Like uh, the one who does more cursive typewriting, they're going to win. There's my <laughs> okay, no, that's great because I can go back and take a look at the pictures later mm-hmm. uh, of the handwriting. Okay, maybe I, you know, maybe there's an idea here, and I want to see. Yeah, yeah. Don't just look at their signatures because some people. Okay of a signature, but there are, I, and I do know of two of those candidates who are in that poll who their handwriting actually looks very, the 
similar, and they only print. So there are two. And I'll let people do their own investigation of who those two are. That's excellent. We're going to take one last break, and then we're going to come back and delve into a few other things, Michelle. You're listening to Life on Edit. I'm your host, John Averly. Today my guest is Michelle Dresbold. She's a handwriting analyst, and we're having a blast doing this. Be right back. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest is Michelle Dresbold. She is a handwriting analyst. And, Michelle, I'm going to go back to your book here real quick, and I suggest people get a copy of this, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting. It is fascinating reading, especially for a person who is a lay person who is just interested in maybe learning a few things, and then you'll end up like me. You'll become obsessed by the book, and you keep looking back and forth. And I think that's a good thing, as... Michelle stated earlier, uh, coming off of my comment being, is this a good thing? Is, is there any danger here to have that much power? And uh, Michelle's response was, well, you should use everything in your, you know, the, in your arsenal in today's world. And I do have to agree with her in the end on that statement. But again, I suggest you get a copy of Sex, Lies, and Handwriting, which can be found on Amazon.com. Michelle, your next book, uh, you said, do you have a date that it's due out? No, I'm just, um, I'm writing a novel right now, sort of um, based on me, my life, fiction. I am also writing another handwriting book, but I'm enjoying writing fiction. So right now there's no date because I'm a very slow writer. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You take your time. It'll come out right. Come out when it comes out, but I'll guarantee. I think I'm I'm enjoying writing it, and it's ex, it's actually very exciting. So um, when it comes out, I will let you know. But it's not finished. I'm on chapter eight. Now you know, in high school, college, military, whatever, people take all kind. Even in the workforce, people take all kinds of personality tests. They take the Minnesota test, mm-hmm. and there's different variations. Of this, and and I've always found it interesting when I've taken one of these. It tends to put me in a category that I know myself to be in. I was wondering, is something would this be a good tool to have someone like yourself come in and have students submit writing samples for you to give them maybe a, a gauge on what career path they should take? Oh, it's a great tool. It's um. I mean, I've worked with tons of people of all, you know, not just students. There's people changing, thinking mid- midlife, what I've been doing something, I lost my job, I hate my job, I'm doing the wrong thing. Of students or people who are going, what should I do? I mean, you have to do what's in your heart, but also what your skill level, what your skills are. Um, and if you can find the right direction in your life, it sure makes your life a lot better. And um, can I, I'll give you a short little story. One of I did somebody's handwriting, and afterwards she started crying. And I said, oh, my gosh, what did I say? And she said, well, you said I'm very, very smart. I'm doing something that my whole family thinks I should be doing. and um, But I really want to help people. And she said, I'm an attorney. I... Everyone in my family did very well in school, and I, everyone thought I should be an attorney. She goes, and I'm good. She goes, but I hate it because I've always wanted to be a social worker. Wow. Um, the next thing I knew, 
I saw her at a Starbucks, and she was reading. I said, what, oh, what are you reading? She goes, I went back to school. I'm going back to school. I'm going to be a, a therapist social worker. And um, she's now a social worker, but she's a therapist social worker, mm-hmm. and she loves it. And she said she always knew what I said was right, but she never wanted to say it out loud. So it could be at any point of your life. Um, and, and, and I think in life, some people know exactly what they want from age five, but many of us really could use a little direction. And, um, yeah, so I think it's a great tool. Now, yeah, I have to agree with you. I like the fact, again, you can add it into maybe anything else that's being done to analyze a person, to get a feel for them. I think it's a great tool for right. anyone who's in therapy, going back to that again. Anybody in therapy, um, yes. I mean, you're spending, I don't know how much an hour, 300 an hour for therapy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you go week after week after week. Right, let's just get to the cut. <laughs> I agree. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to cut your fee here, but too bad. Right, right. <laughs> I don't need 10 weeks. I'd rather find Michelle and right, send it me. to her. <laughs> you got it. Or or even like, um, you know, you're dating I mean, there's two things. What about the person you're dating? But what about you? I mean, are you continually doing things that are causing interruptions in your um, romantic life? It may not always be the other person. It might be you. So I think people should be open to that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's a very important. Can you again? Can you read that from again analyzing someone's writing? Can you read that they're they can be not self overly self-critical because people can do that but they can be honest within themselves and say I have these issues and those issues um yeah I think most people it's hard for most people to know exactly what their issues are um I think you get an IE sort of know your IE issues um some people know them better than others but and you know handwriting some people are more honest with with themselves and others but even those of us who are basically honest sometimes it's really hard to really see our own issues it's uh it's not you know that's i I can use one small example i have a very good good friend whose signature get kept getting larger and larger and larger and your signature is your desire to be seen or you and I and I mem- I said to this friend, I said, Do you realize your signature keeps getting larger? You're craving attention. And we we were able to talk about it and resolve the reasons why. So, um, yeah, it, it can be used as a tool for so many different areas of your life. Just to let you know before we finalize the last few minutes here, I know we sent you handwriting samples this morning. We're going to hold off on that. Okay, we can <laughs> and, do that and another And you can time send me or... that later or something. I, I thought to myself, maybe this isn't the greatest idea. Well, it's hard also because people can't see, but oh, everyone you sent me, they're all, everyone's okay. Okay, good. That's good news. we got to make sure. And then we can find out some personality right. quirks if they're right. But I right. Now, real quick, and I'm curious about this, because this is my business mind kind of working here. Um, with what you do, we talked before about autographs, uh, finding if they're legit, contracts, athletes, big business. Have you delved into uh, contracts, meaning like big-time athletes and so forth? Is that something that you do on a semi-consistent basis, or it's you know, like you're not out there promoting that? Um, 
Well, I do three different types of things. I mean, what I'm talking about now is called personality profiling through handwriting. Mm -hmm. I also do thread analysis through handwriting. And the third thing I do, which is actually probably one of the things I do the most at this point, is um, handwriting identification, like who forged a document, um, who who wrote that anonymous letter. That's identifying who wrote something or who did not write something. Um, and, And that's what we use in court, and and that's uh, fairly technical and fairly business-like. Um, not as some of those are interesting to talk about too, but I it's not quite to me as interesting um, conversation as personality profiling. But I do do an awful lot of contracts, wills, disputes. Uh, anonymous letters, all of those. I, I do a, quite a bit of those. Yeah, the reason I ask is I have a, a fascination with sports memorabilia and other things, a very extensive collection, and I have to figure anywhere from 5 to 15% of it's probably forged. Possible. Um, I have to figure. I mean, that would be a number that would just kind of pop into my head. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, would, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say sports memorabilia is a little difficult because it's really they make up these ink jets and they just stamp things so it, it, it's a little it's a specialty within a specialty yeah I've seen that I've gone to enough shows and different things that there's specialists there that can handle that and I always see you as being someone I would see now right you know right. I would look and go ah Michelle's there I gotta go say hi yeah, hi. Yeah, something <laughs> along those lines but no you've hit pretty much everything today that I could have thought of and I know I'm going to have you back on probably sometime in the late summer early fall you've been tremendous it's tremendous anybody out there is looking for a great speaker for a talk for their business for a lecture I really enjoy doing talks so um and and I and I, I I keep the audience engaged so I'd be really happy to expand that business end of my my practice it's not a problem, Michelle. When I put it up on the podcast sites and I send it to the syndicators, okay. I'll make sure that's part of the uh, caption. Oh, wonderful. That way you have that. And I, I think I'm going to put this on my LinkedIn site, too, because I see there's business connections here with it. Okay, wonderful. We'll go from there. Michelle, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for the short notice and getting back to me. Oh, my and, pleasure. Uh, when you're back in town again visiting with uh, Linda and everyone else, please let me know. I'd love to come see you again. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see you. That would be great. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today my guest was Michelle Dresbold. She is a handwriting analyst, and you can find her book, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting, and I highly suggest it if you're fascinated by the topic, at Amazon.com. Thanks, Michelle. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye.